Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Dantial. And we are pumped. We are excited. Clap it up. Clap it up. Let's go. It's time for the NCAA tournament. We've been waiting for this. We've been pumped for this. We had all week to digest and wait since Selection Sunday. Sure, we had a couple first four games on Tuesday and then some last night. Shout outs to St. John's for repping the Big East. But as we know, there's only one Big East team that matters, and they're going to be taking the court tonight in Hartford. First round game, going against St. Mary's Gales. Chris, I'm pumped. You're pumped. I can't wait to get over there. I can't wait for the first ball to tip off at noon. I'm just so excited. I'm so ready. This is honestly one of the best weekends in sports, if not the best. I'm ready to go. I just wish that we can get to the games right away. But... Of course, we got this morning, which always feels like the longest morning of our lives as we wait for the first game to tip off to officially start March Madness. No offense to the first four, but there's always something a little more special about this time, this opening round. Man, I I honestly, like, I, I could not sleep that much last night. I've been so ready for this. I've been so ready for the games tonight. I'm ready to see Nova finally take the court. How have you been taking it? How have you been handling it? I hope you've been handling it a lot more cooler than I have since we were last on the mic on Tuesday. No, I, I've been feeling the same way. I'm super excited about this whole thing. Cannot wait for noon to roll around. Like you said, this is the longest morning of our lives. In fact, these four days leading up to this Thursday are always the four longest days of the year. I basically equate this to Christmas Eve, but for four days and you're waiting for Santa to arrive and he just won't come yet until Thursday. I am super excited about this. I'm just hyped up because, you know, in the past and not that I wouldn't take this position again, but in the past, our first round games have been, oh, ho-hum, we expect to win, whatever. But with this St. Mary's game, You don't know what to expect. Are we favored? Yes, but it should be a tough one regardless. It should be a fun one regardless. It gets you on edge first thing. A couple years ago or even last year, or the past few years really, we can be saying, ah, well, you know, we really wouldn't tune into the round 32, which was the bugaboo for years. Or the Sweet 16, we really wouldn't be settled in. But this year, you're settled in from game one, and I'm just excited that we can get this show on the road, and we got a 720 tip off on the first day. So everyone should be home, hopefully, home from work, and it should be a grand old time. Oh, yeah. I totally love the start time. I love that it's going to be after work. I love that it's giving me personally enough time to zip out of the office and drive over to Hartford. I can't wait. I've never been to the XL Center, so this will be my first time there. What a stage to be on for that first time there. This year, we have St. Mary's, and obviously, not only are we excited to finally get the show on the road, but this is a shot at revenge. Look, for me personally, growing up, I didn't really have a connection to college basketball. I was a big fan of it, but, you know, my parents didn't go to school here. So the whole college basketball thing was kind of looked at as like an objective thing to watch. Like, you know, sure, there were teams that I supported. I love filling out a bracket every year. But when it came to like drawing a connection to the team, I didn't really feel that my heart was really in one space. I love watching the games. I love digesting just coming home after school on a Friday or on a Thursday and just sitting in front of the TV and taking in as many NCAA tournament games as possible. Now, once I went to Nova, I had a team to root for. I had a team to believe in. I had a team to feel emotionally invested in. You and I, I know that we had different backgrounds. Your parents, your dad went to Nova. You had a Nova bloodline. You've been following the team growing up before you went to college, before you finally continued the tradition as a Villanovan yourself. From what I understand and from what I gather, this St. Mary's game 
was a little before my time, a little before I enrolled at Nova, but I remember watching it. I remember being a sophomore in high school, and that was a stunning upset. But to you, it was more than just a stunning upset. It was heartbreaking. Catherine Ryan talked about it in her preview. Great preview. If you haven't checked it out, please do so on viewhoops.com. But Chris, what does this game mean to you? How excited are you for this shot at revenge? My high school self absolutely loves it because Villanova will hopefully, hopefully exact some revenge on those Aussie guys from 2010. That whole 2010 tournament. I mean, every Villanova fan knows about it. You had the whole Scotty Reynolds, Corey Fisher debacle. You had almost losing the 15 seed Robert Morris. I'll never forget rushing home from school to make just to see. Hopefully, Villanova pull that one out, and they did. Although a little bit of help from the refs, but we won't talk about that. But then the next that weekend, you had St. Mary's, and you're like, oh, okay, it's just a bunch of foreign dudes. They can beat these guys. Like who cares? Like they'll just get worry about facing Baylor in the big Sweet 16 matchup, and they got absolutely clobbered. Now I know the score indicates otherwise it was a little closer than indicated but still it's just the della ladova three-pointers still haunt my memory the i forget the, the big center's last name i think they called him sandman he was eating everybody alive inside antonio pena that poor man had no chance and i'm just like watching that game and just had my head in my hands and i'm just like no guys no please not, not now not after the final four year don't follow up with this but you know I had two championships since then, so it's not like I'm completely, you know, chomping at the bit here. But I do have a little bit of St. Mary's PTSD, and I'm just hoping we can get past them and exact some revenge so my high school self can, you know, rest easy, I guess. And I hope for your sake and, you know, everyone else who was a Nova Nation or at the time or who's just well engrossed in the history understands what this means. You know, it's been almost a decade since we last played each other. The two teams haven't met since that fateful 2010 second round NCAA tournament game. Obviously, the names, the faces have changed. The coaches have stayed the same. And the teams are still pretty much the same. St. Mary's, they still have a lot of different, very talented foreigners, especially from Australia. It seems like they have a pipeline. I don't know what's going on over there, but Australia seems to love St. Mary's and St. Mary's seems to love Australia. Meanwhile, Nova has the talented guard play. Still about the guard you, but as we've noticed, we've had a few great big men over these last couple of years that have helped push Nova over the top. It's going to be an interesting battle. Now, shout outs to our guy, Kyle. He was there at Hartford last night, so he was able to get some insights, get some quotes from Jay Wright and a couple of the players. And we're going to hear what Jay Wright has to say about this St. Mary's team and what he thinks about the whole, does it bring back some memories? How does it feel to that 2010 squad? Let's hear what Jay has to say. I don't think anybody in the country does it like them. They have the ability to, to keep you in front of them, keep enough space to keep you in front of them, take away threes, and they protect the rim. It's it's really a, it's a, it's a great scheme. I don't think anybody that we've seen does it like they do and you know we we like to sh we like to shoot threes so it's it's going to be a really tough challenge for that for us um uh, and be because they don't do it like anyone else does it most people are get out on you and they extend and they they deny they have a they use their length and they space you and and yet if you try to get to the rim they keep their bigs in front of the rim and they protect the rim it's why they're one of the best defensive teams in the country they get a lot of credit for their offense, but defensively, they're really good. 
you know, watching film, it's just so eerily similar to the 2010 team they had with Delabadova and Sandman. They got great guard and forward, great bigs and Hunter and um, supporting cast on this team might even be better. Um, really, good, really good team. Randy Bennett is um, an amazing coach. It's one of those teams that you like to – I love to watch them play during the season because I just – I love their style. I love how disciplined they are, how intelligent, skilled they are. And you love watching them until you have to play them. And then it's not so fun watching the film. It's that kind of, it's that kind of team, that kind of game. So um, we're ready. Though. We're, we're ready to go. Chris, Jay says that he's ready. Are you ready? What can we expect from this St. Mary's team nine years later? How's it looking? Who are the key guys to watch for? What is the 411 on this squad? Yeah, so you're talking about the St. Mary's Gales. It all starts with Jordan Ford. Guard averaging 21.3 points per game. He's their proficient scorer. Led the team in scoring in pretty much every game this year, along with his counterpart, Malik Fitz, who I'll talk about in a bit. I think those two combined led the team in scoring for every single one of their games with the exception of three of them. So Ford is going to eat you alive. He does a little bit of everything. He can get inside and drive. He shoots well from the free throw line, shoots 80% from there, and he shoots well from three-point range, 42.3%. And from the field overall, he's a smidge under 50%. The guy's good at basketball. You should probably watch him and guard him. Now, as we talked about in the past, Villanova does have a tendency to, you know, get those one that one key guy down. We kind of saw a little bit of an adjustment with Powell in the Seton Hall game. Yes, he still got his and put up his points, but they a lot of the defense was focused on him. So we might see a little bit of that same similar defensive structure against Ford. As I mentioned earlier, the next guy up is Malik Fitz. Forward, averaging 15.3 points per game, and also the Gales' leading rebounder with 7.6. Very athletic forward. He can get inside, and he can even pop the occasional three. He's shooting about 40.3% from beyond the arc. And another guy I kind of want to highlight, even though his stats don't exactly pop off the page, but it certainly, his height certainly does. 6'10 Saturn Jordan Hunter, averaging just a tad under eight points per game, grabbing seven, about seven boards per game. The dude's tall. He's a rim protector. And as you heard Jay mention before, they guard threes very well, and they can protect the rim very well. And that's exactly why. This guy is exactly why. Mr. Jordan Hunter from Australia. So, yes, Ford and Fitz, they are not from Australia. Just want to clarify that. But pretty much the rest of the team is. You'll get your Aussie dose in the forms of Hunter and in forms of Tanner Krebs, another guard for St. Mary's. So you got it all there. This team, as Jay mentioned, guards the three-point line very well. And they guard the rim very well. And guarding that three-point line well is pretty much all that matters when it comes to Villanova, as we all know, about the shooting them up, sleeping the streets. And hopefully they're shooting them up coming later today. I know Catherine, in her preview, billed Ford and Fitz as the West Coast Booth and Pascal, that strong two-man dynamic duo that seems to be carrying the team. And then also just the way that this team is able to shoot, slow the tempo down, and play in the half court but also play defense. Now, the big thing here that's been noted is St. Mary's is excellent, excellent at defending the three-point line. And we're talking 31% in the country, which is a very, very good clip defensively. No disrespect to Gonzaga. But the West Coast Conference, it's basically a bunch of community colleges, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, once in a while, BYU, shout out Jimmer, and 
overall, the strength of this conference is not so hot. So when you look at the numbers, how impressive is a three-point defense? Granted, yeah, 31.8%, that's nothing to sneeze at. But if you look at the opponents they've been playing and the way that they play, they might shoot one of the lowest volumes compared to Nova. If you look at the opponents that St. Mary's has faced overall this season, combined, looking throughout their whole schedule, their opponents only get 25% of their points from the three-point line. And not only that, they shoot only 31% of their takes from deep. And that's one of the 10th lowest clips nationwide. Now, you compare that to Nova, who shoots the three ball at a staggering, staggering rate. Ken Palm said it after we won the Big East tournament. This is something you don't see every day. A team that shoots over 53% of its shots from deep and winning a conference tournament. St. Mary's has not seen a volume like that. They have not seen a team that loves the three ball as much as Nova. 53.5%. That's the third highest ratio in the country. There is nothing like that that St. Mary's has seen on its schedule. Yeah, Gonzaga is a great shooting team. Credits to them. California, they also love the three ball. But nothing comes close to that high ratio of three-point shots to field goal attempts. And I think that St. Mary's might be a little overwhelmed. But Chris... A lot of people seem to be worried about their size. And I know we played some big men in the Big East tournament that made Villanova look a little vulnerable. You think back to Xavier with Zach Hankins and Tyreek Jones and those bigs. Sanjo Mamukelash Vili with Seton Hall grabbing offensive rebounds, being a menace on the boards. What about these guys? How are these guys special? Yeah, you know, there's Malik Fitz. But they got some other sides across the board. Who are some other big men that we should watch out for? So, yeah, some other guys, as you mentioned, to look out for that are pretty tall. You got Matias Tas, a freshman forward from Estonia. So, finally, we got a little bit of variation. He's not Australian. But he's averaging 14 and a half minutes per game. He's only scoring about three points per game, three and a half. But he does grab about three rebounds in limited time. So, look out for him. And then also, coming off the bench, you got Jock Perry. Now, <laughs> Jock Perry is only averaging six minutes per game, two points per game. Why are we highlighting him? Because he is the perfect candidate for the Pookie Powell player of the game. Guy who comes out of nowhere, and he has the height of seven foot one, and he's from Australia. Very big boy. This team has height. They're very tall dudes. They can protect the rim, as you mentioned. But honestly, like outside of Hunter, you might not be seeing these guys all that much. Maybe toss in a little bit of action. But Jock Perry, very limited guy off the bench. But Hunter alone is is pretty tall enough. And Tassel coming off the bench is a pretty solid backup option. But these guys at height, they're tall, lengthy. They can protect the rim. And as you mentioned before, that does concern me because Villanova does has looked susceptible in the past to guys with or teams with height. Yeah, that Hunter and Fitz combo is a little dangerous. And just to see that the depth and the size that they have on their bench is also pretty intimidating. Granted, this will be another game where, just like in the Big East tournament, where the boards and the boxing out and the tenacity and cleaning up the glass will be very, very crucial for Nova. Let's hear what Eric Pascal had to say about St. Mary's, specifically their dynamic leading combo. Let's see what he had to say of this impressive tandem. Those two are, are very great. I mean, uh, we watched Phil Monomerdi and... Uh... We know they're very dynamic players, uh, get their team going. And uh, as far as pace, I mean, we just go out there and play. I mean, we make the adjustments as we go. But, uh, I mean, uh, we know. But they're also, they could also push the ball. So, I mean, they're, they're a very good team, very well balanced. And uh, 
it's going to be a, a battle. So, Chris, let's hear it. We heard what Pascal had to say. We've looked at the tape. We've heard what Jay had to say. Who you rolling with? Are we feeling heartbreak once again in 2019? Or are you sticking to your original prediction on Tuesday? Just a gut reaction before actually diving into the numbers, really. Does Nova advance or not? I'm thinking they do. And I'm going to be honest with you. Just talking over this, over St. Mary's with you has kind of convinced me to pick St. Mary's. Now, I already have all my brackets filled out. I have been gung-ho on this prediction since we, since the matchup was announced on Selection Sunday that Villanova will win. This is probably the lowest I've felt so far about in terms of confidence. But I'm still optimistic enough to stick with Villanova. I think the experience of Pascal and Booth will carry this team through. I expect big games from both Sadiq Bay and Jermaine Samuels. I expect Colin to hit a clutch three, and that should be enough. I think with Samuels and Bay controlling the boards, and yes, they'll have the work cut out for them with Hunter and all the rest of the big guys down low, or whoever the heck St. Mary's wants to bring off the bench, and because they're all over 6'10", apparently. But they'll have the work cut out for them. It's going to be a tough first task for sure, but I think they'll be able to maintain it. They'll have Eric and Phil guiding the way, and if things get out of control, I expect Phil Booth to take over and win Villanova this game. So I'm sticking with them. What about you? I'm sticking with the Cats as well. This will be an interesting test because, as we see, St. Mary's has a star guard in Jordan Ford, a dynamic scorer who can impact the game in a variety of ways, but he can also score from anywhere on the floor. And as if looking further into the bracket, there's going to be some big boy guards that can also score at a high clip that could potentially meet Villanova in their path. But we're not going to get to that just yet. We're going to continue looking at St. Mary's. And Ford, I would love to see the defensive work. I'm going to be excited to see Booth on Ford. I think that's going to be a great matchup, a great duel to watch. And then also, I think the X factor here will be, look, you know, hats off to St. Mary's for winning the West Coast Conference. Congratulations to beating Gonzaga. That is not an easy feat. Gonzaga, despite losing that game, is still viewed by many as a Big Final Four contender, maybe national championship contender outside of Duke. But welcome to the East Coast. This isn't going to be San Francisco. This isn't going to be San Diego. This isn't the likes of Portland or Pepperdine. This is going to be Villanova basketball. And I think there's a level of athleticism here that St. Mary's hasn't really seen all that much of. Sure, they had some exposure to it in the non-con, had some close losses. They even beat Gonzaga. But I think that this is going to be a level that they're not going to see. I'd love to see Nova show another renewed emphasis on the glass, just like they showed on the Big East tournament. And I think that they're going to advance, and they're going to take on the winner of Purdue and Old Dominion on Saturday. So yeah, we're advancing. We're avenging 2010. 2010 is going to be a thing of the past. Just like what it seems like Villanova's been doing over these last four or five years. It seems to be like a cleansing of the program where all the past stigmas go to the trash, go to the wayside, and we overwrite, rewrite history. And I think that we're going to get a chance to do that tonight. I really do. I think we're going to beat St. Mary's. Now, before we look at this next matchup a little closely, one thing that I'm very interested in seeing tonight and also on Saturday is just seeing how the young guys perform on their first ever NCAA tournament stage. And I think in the past, there seemed to be a little sense of jitters when it came to guys performing in the NCAA tournament for the first time. Like if you think back to Ron Archie Diacono and Daniel Ochefu, their freshman year, they got smoked by UNC early, but then fought back to the game and almost completed the comeback. But then UNC pulled away. 
Then they were back in the NCAA tournament as for the first time in a while as a high seed. And then they fell to UConn in the second round. And then they fell to NC State the year after that. Those teams, they didn't really have the benefit of tournament experience. And then as those mistakes were happening, they built the experience. And then when 2016, 17, 18 came, it was just a bunch of experienced guys who had been there before, had done it. And they got the job done. This time around, we got two old heads in Phil Booth, in Eric Pascal. A couple returners, but they're playing in their first ever big-time role this season. Yeah, Colin was kind of like a sixth man or seventh man, you could say, last year. But you have Jermaine Samuels playing in a much bigger role. He's starting. Sadiq Bey is starting as a freshman. He had a little jitters, it looked like, in his first Big East tournament game against Providence. He wasn't that hot. But against Xavier, and especially against Eaton Hall, it became big. I'm curious to see how the young guys or the less experienced guys that are in their first season as a big-time player, big-time minutes getter, how they react or how they embrace the environment of the NCAA tournament. Because there really is nothing like this in the world, this whole tournament in itself. So I am just very interested in seeing how they're going to do. We got some wise words from Phil Booth and Eric Pascal and some advice that they've given the young guys. Let's hear what they had to say. Tell them to try to stay focused and stay locked in. You know, when you get to the state tournament, there's a lot of distractions going on, a lot of different things uh, that can be getting in your head. But if you focus on your, uh, the opponent in front of you and just take it um, one game at a time and lock in on that, that's the best you can really do. Eric? Um, <clears throat> I'll probably say the same thing. Just uh, one game at a time. Don't look too, too far ahead. But also just know uh, stay 94 by 50 feet. I mean, just worry about what's happening on the court and worry about your brothers and your coaches. And we also have this reaction from Colin Gillespie in regards to building experience or dealing with the pressure and expectations of the NCAA tournament, learning on the fly as a first-year freshman last year. From these two and, and also the four guys that left, they taught me a lot um, how to handle um, starting and, and trying to help these guys even teach the younger guys, including myself, um, just learning every day, trying to get trying to get uh, better every day, even in practice, creating habits. So. Um, just try and become the best team that we can possibly be. So, Chris, taking in what Phil and Eric and Colin have said about this, how do you feel about the young guys? How confident are you? Do you think that this is something that they can take the message right away, or is it just going to have to be something where no matter how much you drill into their heads, no matter how much mental preparation, there is no such thing or it doesn't fully emulate the actual feeling of being on the floor for an NCAA tournament game with roaring fans, packed crowds, or do you think that they can learn on the fly pretty quickly? I trust these guys. I, I really do. I think they'll be able to go in there and just play their game like they've been, they have been all year. And I, I think a lot of it is overblown, or not overblown, but at least a tad overblown to the sense where it's like, oh, you know, such big bright lights and the scene's too big for them and whatever. And I think that narrative will be used for anybody who plays bad and they haven't exactly played a game played meaningful minutes in an NCAA tournament game. But at some point, you just got to assume these guys' talents take over. I think Sadiq Bey is going to go out there and have his hands full with whatever big guy that St. Mary's is going to throw out there, and I think he'll do fine. I think Jermaine Samuels is going to be flying through the air like he always does, grabbing offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds. And I think they'll be absolutely fine. It doesn't, it's not going to change. As you, you heard Eric say, you know, it's still 94 by 50 feet and all that stuff. As cliche as that is, I think there is some truth to that. I feel that I trust them. I trust them enough to go out there and do play their game. I think Jay Wright is a good enough coach where it won't get too big for them. 
And I think they'll be able to perform well because of it. I, I really don't think, I really don't see them struggling all that much. Is it also unrealistic to expect all three young guys in Bay, Samuels and Gillespie to go out there and have great games? I'd say a little bit, yeah, but I still think they'll contribute and I still think they'll do enough to the point where Eric and Phil can do their thing and Villanova will end up victorious. Yeah, I guess time will tell and I guess we'll see tonight. But if there's one thing that we've seen this year and it's that this team is pretty resilient. This team is pretty smart. It's pretty good at learning as they go and bouncing back from mistakes or responding quickly to adversity. And with given their track record this season or what's gone on from November till now, I like their chances. I like their odds. This team has grown up pretty quickly or a lot of players have grown up a lot quicker than maybe they anticipated first going into Nova. You see Phil Booth and Eric Pascal quickly take a much bigger leadership role in mentoring the younger players. Sure. I'm sure they thought that they would have Dante Vincenzo and Amari Spellman and this and that coming back. But putting all that aside, you know, besides the leadership work they've been doing, and clearly it's been big, where the point where Jay's kind of treating them like assistant coaches. And then you have the young guys like Colin Gillespie being a starting guard and also a co-captain. And then, of course, Sadiq Bey, Jermaine Samuels taking big leaps, Demir Kazi Roundtree getting much bigger minutes this time around. With all that, it gives me hope. I don't think that they're going to be stuck in the limelight. I don't think they're going to be caught up in it. But, hey, you know, we're going to wait and see. They got the game tonight. We both think they're going to advance. And when they do, they're going to take on the winner of Purdue and Old Dominion on Saturday. Chris, give us the quick lowdown on both of these teams. Let's not spend too much time on it. We did talk about it on Tuesday. What's the lowdown with Purdue? What's the 411 on Old Dominion? Let's hear it. So as we kind of talked about Tuesday, we are pretty familiar with Purdue. Came off a victory against them in the 16-17 season at Purdue in a very intense game. But Purdue has lost a lot of talent since then. But they still have a guy named Carson Edwards. He's pretty good at basketball, too. He's averaging exactly 23 points per game. Now, this Purdue squad was a little weird. Started off unranked of the year. And actually, at one point in the year, they were 6-5 and five as of December 15th after the loss to Notre Dame and were 1-1 one one in conference. After that... They didn't lose very much. <laughs> Ended up finishing the year 23-9. and nine. They lost to Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament, but they were able to shoot up the rankings and became analytical darlings, at least according to Ken Palm anyway. Currently sitting 10th overall, and despite their three-seeding, uh, with the fifth-best offense, mainly spearheaded by Carson Edwards, and with an adjusted defense of 31. They're a pretty good basketball team. I know a lot of Villanova media, or any Villanova fan really, has been saying, oh yeah, you know, we can really get to the Sweet 16 and convince yourself. And I wholeheartedly agree, but Purdue is no slouch in, in any sense of the matter. And Purdue's a very good team. And if they do end up winning against Old Dominion, and if they do end up winning against Villanova, I can easily see them making the Final Four. Now, Old Dominion, they won the Conference USA Tournament. <laughs> That's pretty much all I can say about them. I mean, look, they're, they're obviously good enough to win their Conference Tournament and go from there. Their one key win of the year was at Syracuse, where they ended up winning by six. And if you want to look for an individual player, BJ Stiff is your guy to go with. He's averaging 16.9 points per game. And also Ahmad Carver, his guard partner in crime, he's averaging 16.5 points per game. I highly doubt we see Old Dominion. That would take some really extreme circumstances for that to happen. But it is the NCAA tournament. We have certainly seen crazier things happen. And if we do see Old Dominion, a lot of people who were around in 1995 rooting for this Villanova basketball team, I was too young to remember that. But for everyone who was around, they will also want their revenge 
for that 95 loss at the Meadowlands. Yeah, I'm not really too confident in seeing this Old Dominion squad as well. My money is on Purdue. Carson Edwards is a big boy. He's a big scorer. Sometimes it kind of feels like he's a quote-unquote volume scorer in which he'll hack up 30. And you wouldn't have known because you're too busy being distracted by the 20, 25 points he drops or the 30-point night he has. A little inefficient at times, but there's no doubt in my mind that he is a gamer. Ryan Klein is a sniper. Matt Harms, we know him for his big hair, his nice hair. He's also a big presence inside. We know that size seems to give Nova a little bit of an issue this year. And, of course, they also have Grady Eifert, the younger brother of Tyler Eifert, who is a tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was a walk-on, but he's proven that he's more than just some sideshow or just some guy that can get on the team because of connections because he's actually a pretty good shooter, and he gets a pretty good role in that rotation. He's really developed his skills into an all-around player, scorer, rebounder, and shooter. So he's actually been a part of their rotation so it, this should be an interesting purdue team my money's on them i don't think that they're gonna suffer the upset bug i'd be shocked to see old dominion but as chris highlighted yeah you know stiff and caver they're the big guys they're the big tandem and then xavier green kind of adding that third punch in there when they need it so chris as i asked you on tuesday and i said we we're gonna hold you to it yet because the brackets didn't lock in but the brackets are going to lock in a few hours after this has been released. So how far does Nova go? Now, you said they're going to beat St. Mary's, but do they beat the winner of Purdue, Old Dominion? You're thinking Purdue. Do they make it to the Sweet 16, or are they falling in the round of 32? Yeah, I'm going to contradict myself on two levels. First one is I literally just said I think Purdue could make the Final Four if the opportunity presents itself. And also on Tuesday, I said Purdue will beat Villanova. I'm changing my answer. I am I am going with the Cats. I am falling believer to the hype. I think Villanova gets to the Sweet 16. I think they can go in there and beat Purdue. I know on Tuesday I said that there would only be one Big East team advancing to the Sweet 16 and making noise, and that would be Nova. And I said that they would beat Purdue. But I think when I said that on Tuesday, I wasn't 100% sure. But since doing the research, since filling out my bracket, on a couple of different pools, looking at this matchup here, I'm growing a little more confident. I don't know if I'm also growing a little more crazy, but I am confident in the Cats, and I do think that they'll beat Purdue. None of these games are going to be easy, I'll tell you that. The Purdue game might be a dogfight, but I think that Nova should emerge victorious, and I think they will be going back to the Sweet 16 this year. And when that happens, we'll have more to talk about. But we're hoping, we're just going to have to wait and see. Obviously, the first game's tonight at 7.20 p.m., right after the Marquette game, which I'm kind of bummed that I'm missing because I'm going to be driving over to the XL Center, so I'm going to miss that game before Nova. But tonight is Nova at 7.20. Then right after that is the Purdue Old Dominion game. So if you feel like staying up, scouting out the opponent, getting a little report yourself, knock yourself out. We got. St. Mary's first. Hopefully, we're looking at some revenge. And then hopefully, we'll come back on Tuesday with some more things to talk about. And then hopefully, an episode for next Thursday. But we're just going to have to wait and see. We're waiting. We're hoping. But now, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag, and answer the questions that you, the listeners out there, have sent us. Chris, are you ready? Let's do it. This first question is from Fred Rung. Am I the only person who doesn't feel angst about tonight? 
I'm more excited to see how they respond than my usual gut-wrenching anxiety over the outcome. Fred, I don't think you're alone here. I'm feeling pretty calm. I'm feeling pretty excited, more excited and confident than anything, but just more excited to see NCAA tournament hoops back in action. I can't wait to see how Nova responds. I can't wait to see what the Big East tournament has taught them in getting those three grinded out wins. I want to see them grind out another one. But Chris, what do you think? You feeling a little anxious? You feeling confident? What are you feeling? Pulse check. Yeah, no, I'm kind of with Fred on this one. I'm going to be honest with you. That first tournament game in 2017 against Mount St. Mary's, for some reason, I was just some like real nervous wreck going into that. Don't know why. I mean, it was just, you know, the high of coming off the championship from the year before, still riding that wave. And like every game just meant that much more. But in reality, really didn't. This one, yeah, I feel somewhat calm. Now I say that now, wait until 719 with a tip off a minute away, I might be changing my answer. But yeah, right now I feel, I feel all right. I'm not as angsty and as nervous as I usually am. Maybe just because I'm more confident in this team than, than usual. This next question is from Andrew Kennedy. Was Brendan Riley in Boston last year for the second weekend games? Where was the sea of Purdue fans that weekend? Why is he overhyped and how many Purdue fans will fly to the insurance capital of the world for the first weekend games? Chris, you asked this question yourself. I wasn't there in Boston, so I couldn't vouch for it. Brendan's not here to defend his answer. I don't know. I don't know. Now I don't know who to believe. I don't know <laughs> who to believe. Andrew, yeah. why don't you just slide into Brendan's DMs and hopefully sort that one out? But yeah, I don't. I don't know who to believe now. <laughs> when we were talking to Brendan before the show on Tuesday, I completely forgot that Purdue was the two seed until we were kind of just discussing the match, the future matchup of Purdue Villanova for the three six here. And I was like, wait a minute, Purdue was in our bracket last year. I forgot about that. But then I was trying to remember like their game, their the game against Texas Tech. If I remember hearing any Purdue fans, and I'm not saying there weren't any there, but I I don't remember. I I don't remember watching that game at all. And I guess that may, means it wasn't that impactful. If I don't have that much of a re recollection of it, maybe someone can answer that for us. But yes, yeah, so slide into the DMs. Hopefully, we can get more of an answer. And this one is from Christian Rodriguez. Give us your NCAA tournament hot take, Chris. What is your bracket hot take? Are we just kind of going with what team we think is going to go on a deep run? Is that is that our hot take? You know, I'll go with anything, and however you want to take it. And however I want to take it. I don't know if this is necessarily qualifies as a hot take, but I think it's it's kind of contrary to what the norm has been going. I think only one ACC team makes the Final Four. And this is my hot take. There's a team called the Duke Blue Devils. They seem to be getting a lot of attention, especially when a guy by the name of Mr. Zion Williamson, I believe that's his government name, Whenever he does anything, whether it's a shoe exploding, whether he dunks for the five millionth time, or like we saw this past week, he actually hit a three-pointer. Well, him and his team, while most people have put them as national champion favorite or even to make the final four, I'm going to tell you right now, I do not believe that Mr. Williamson or the Blue Devils will be suiting up or going to Minneapolis for the final four. They will not make the final four. That is my hot take. Yeah, I kind of want to expand my answer. Only one ACC team will make the, the Final Four, and it won't be Duke. So just kind of piggybacking off you. Do you have a name for which one is going to make it or no? Uh, yeah, it's Virginia. <laughs> it's Virginia. I think they get their revenge for UMBC and go a little far. Interesting school. Interesting school. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not big of, I'm not big on them. And it has nothing to do with last year. It has nothing to do with last year. I'm going with them just for the narrative, man. 
yeah, I guess at some point you do have to break the door down. <laughs> some point. And this one is from Philly's Fanatic 34. Nice picture of Gritty as the avatar here. How long will Joe Cremo's tournament MVP acceptance speech be? Chris, how long will it be? The number of minutes it'll last will be will match the number of points he scored in the Big East tournament, and that is zero. Philly's Fanatic, just so you know, just so you can find out, when I fill out my ballot later for the USBWA for some individual awards, one of them being player of the year, I'll keep this in mind. I'll keep this question in mind. And if I put Joe Cremo down, and if he happens to win, and you'll get to see how long his acceptance speech will be. You'll get to find out. I'll keep this in mind. Last one is from Will McGill. Why aren't more people making a big deal out of the fact that Villanova is a six seed and Marquette is a five? Villanova split with them, had a better overall record, won the regular season and the tournament, and they still have the lower seed. Not to mention, Villanova has won the title two out of the last three years. As we know, what has happened in the past does not affect the bracket this year. And we went into it a little more on Tuesday. So if you want to listen to Tuesday's episode, we heavily dove into this. So please go ahead and check that out. But the shortened Sparknotes answer and Brendan as so kindly explained to us is that it seems like this year when you incorporate net rankings and looking at what the committee values, they're looking at the overall body of work Strip away the titles, strip away the accolades. If you look at pure wins and losses, the pure numbers, the stats, Marquette had 10 quad one wins, almost double of what Nova had. They had a great resume. They had a great regular season. Nova had a solid one. Sure, they accomplished more, but they weren't looking at that. They were looking at the overall body of work, and it just seemed like when you looked at the pure resume, Numbers and all that, Marquette just had it better. We might not agree. We might not like it. But it seems to be that a lot of people are happy to have them as a six. And the situation they have right now, because I personally think that this pod they're in is pretty good and the bracket they're in is pretty good. But they also get to be in Hartford, which is nice. Might not have that same guarantee if they were a five elsewhere. Kind of talked about it on Tuesday. I mean, I, I even mentioned that I was like a little miffed at it. But the fact that the draw apparently is better. And the fact that they are in Hartford, I think a lot of people just didn't care as much. I think the Hartford thing really calmed a lot of people down. But yeah, let's say Villanova got thrown out to Salt Lake City. I think a lot of people would have probably been upset about it. Aside from being relatively close to home, I also think that it just seems like the Big East this year was not well regarded by the committee. In terms of bracketology, it seemed like everyone except for Marquette was a seed line lower than what was projected. I mean, Seton Hall was a 10. St. John's is a first floor playing game. Nova's a six. Marquette's a five. And then the rest of the Big East teams are in the NIT or the CBI. So not wasn't wasn't too hot. Wasn't too hot for the Big East in terms of NCAA tournament representation. But overall, I thought the committee did a pretty good job. It was interesting to see how they incorporated all these different metrics and all the different resumes. But hey, you know. There's only going to be one thing that matters. And as we learned in 2016, when they kind of got shafted and got sent into the South as a two seed, came out of it as a champion. I guess the only thing that matters is the team that's in front of you and whether or not you can beat that team. So it all starts tonight with St. Mary's and then Purdue Old Dominion on Saturday. So, Will, we're just going to take your gripes to the committee. We weren't big fans of it, but when we saw the full bracket, look at it, 
let it digest a little more honestly i think this worked out chris you agree yeah i I think so and the way we're sounding optimistic about it i think it worked out well because if we had marquez drawn don't know if we'd be singing the same tune well that's all the time we have for today thank you so much for listening to the state of the nova nation if you haven't already please subscribe to the view hoops podcast network on itunes apple Podcasts, spotify google play stitcher megaphone many many platforms many many options that's that remember how last time i said that i found out we were on different platforms stitcher was one of them there's another one called pocket cast that we're also on that i never heard of before but we're on that now too shout out to john janeiro for taking care of that if you haven't already also follow view hoops on social media you can do so on instagram at view hoops that's also good for twitter follow the pod at s-o-n-n pod and also check back at viewhoops.com every day. We've just been pumping out the content. Check out Catherine's preview on St. Mary's tonight. We got some other goodies like Jake Goffman's piece looking at Villanova's shooting. Just a lot. It's just such a busy time of the year, fun time of the year. So check it out. Join the party. Join the fun. And also, you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. Follow Eugene. Follow the pod. Follow you. Nova Nation, get pumped. If you aren't pumped already, get pumped right now. We got a game in less than 12 hours. The NCAA tournament's finally here. The waiting is over. The first four games are over. They're in the books. Let's get it. Let's get it done. Got a big game tonight. Hopefully another one on Saturday. But one at a time. Survive in advance. And let's go, Cats.